Before we get started in John chapter 1, I want to look back at Isaiah 61 that Maya read. Did you notice that the Lord says he hates something? Did anybody pick up on that? Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery. What does that mean? Does anybody have a clue what he's talking about right there? He hates false worship. He absolutely hates it. What he's talking about right here is somebody bringing some, an offering to God and just because it's what they're supposed to do. He hates false worship. It's idolatry. We're making up idols in our own mind when we do that. And if you want to equate that to today, you say, well, we don't offer sacrifices to God on the, on the altar and we burn it up. God hates it when we just come to church because it's what we do. God hates it when we say, here's my money I've given and I've done what I'm supposed to do by giving. God hates it. When we mark off our list that we've read just because we've read. God didn't send Jesus to bring more law. God sent Jesus to set us free from that law and have us a relationship with Him. God hates false worship. And believe you me, when He uses the word hates right here, your English translation is correct. He hates it. He absolutely hates it. In fact, I believe that there'll be people on the day of judgment whom God righteously judges, who he says, depart from me, I never knew you, who said, I worshiped, I brought this, I was there, I did this thing. God is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I hate that. That is not what my son came for. He came to set you free from that. So that you'll have a right relationship with me. So that you'll have a right relationship with your brothers and sisters. You'll have a desire to worship. Right? A desire to worship. When we sing, when we read, when we listen to preaching, when we pray. There's this desire, there's this overflowing of the heart, a heart swell for humanity, that we might share the good news of the gospel with people, that we might help the downtrodden because they're downtrodden. We might encourage those who are hurting. We might share a word of encouragement with people. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. Think about that as you go to your Christmas gatherings and as we read our Bibles this week that God desires a relationship with you. And it's not that He needs you. He doesn't need you. We don't like to hear that, do we? You know, Because we want to be needed, right? We need Him. The Bible says that we are utterly broken, that we're devastated, that we've got nothing good in us, and yet He loved us while we were sinners. 
He loved us while we were still sinners. Wow. What a love that is. Right? You think of the folks that drive you nuts. You wake up in the morning thinking, man, I just want to love on them today. I'm going to go make them something. I'm going to take care of them. No, we don't do that. Yet God did that for us. He loved us so much that he shed his blood for us on a Roman cross. That he was broken and bruised and died for us. I hate robbery for burnt offering. If you'll stand with me, we'll read John chapter 1, 6 through 8. And then we'll look at John chapter 1, 19 through 28. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 say, they were, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 19, Now this is the testimony of God, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, or Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethlehem along the Jordan where John was baptizing. Father, I thank you for your word today. We thank you for the testimony of John the Baptist who came before you preaching a baptism of repentance. Father, we pray that as we go out among our day that we may preach a gospel that includes sin and repentance with love. Father, we pray that as we go out into our week that we can encourage our brothers and sisters And even those who are among another flock in a different town, that they're of you, that they need encouragement as they're out in the store, in the hospital, wherever they are. Father, we pray that as we read the word, as we we pray to you, as we um, gather with other Christians in Bible study, that we may not do so out of compulsion or, or a thought that you automatically honor that because we're doing something that you, you think we, you want us to do. Or let, let us have a spirit of joy, of love, of peace, Father, uh, when, we, when we do these things. Let us be changed because of what you've done for us. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for this time of Advent where we can celebrate your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today is, when I looked at the Advent calendar, I'm reading along, and I thought, oh boy, the last, last week's sermon and this week's sermon, they're really close. Uh, you know, how are you going to spin that, preacher? 
So they're, they're different enough that we can say, okay, we can, we can learn some truths from both things. And as I was studying, I was looking at this, and what I saw was John's clear role. That he had an absolute clear role. And so if you're going to boil the whole message down, that today, friends, you have a clear role as well. That we don't have to, like, guess what God has for us. Now, we each have different gifts and abilities, and, and that exhibits itself in, in different ways. But our clear role is this, kind of the same as John, right? To proclaim the gospel. To show people they need to repent. That they're sinners apart from God. And so what today's message is going to do is to show that. John has a clear role and so do we. So you'll see in verses 6 through 8 and in your outline that he was sent. John was sent. In verses, or at verse 6, John chapter 1 verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this word for sent, it carries with it a sense um, of someone going forth with a special commission. And it's not just someone who you're sending along with something. They have an absolute special purpose. And John had a special purpose. And as we studied last week, and as uh, Corey, I believe you led last week's our Sunday school lesson downstairs, and talked about how John, he wore the suit of camel's hair, and he had a belt wrapped around his waist, and he ate locusts. I mean, the man was dressed like a prophet, right? He's outside the city. Normally, they would go and preach in the, in the tabernacle. They would preach where the people gathered. But here's John separating himself. He was sent to the people with a special message. And we have to remember as we go that we have a special message, that we are sent and to not deviate from that message. And we, we do so so easily. And sometimes that message will say, well, the gospel is that we just want someone to come to church and do a little bit better. You all have heard that, right? Everybody's kind of heard that. Uh, I shared the gospel with this week. Well, how'd it go? What'd you say? Well, I invited them to church on Sunday. Well, that's good, right? It's good to invite people to church because most people are receptive. They're not going to curse you like that guy did in the parking lot, which he thought he was being funny. And it kind of actually was a little bit funny the way he did it. Um, but that's not the gospel, right? Inviting someone to church is, is not the gospel. Or we might share and tell somebody, well, God's, there's, a, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart, right? That, that only God can fill. We've heard that one, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel is not that there's a, a hole that only God can fill. Do, do you guys see that in the Gospels anywhere? That there's a, a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. Or that Jesus loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Did John the Baptist come saying that? Right? Why in the world were they killing off the disciples if the disciples were going out saying, hey, God has a wonderful plan for you? They would go, all right, well, that sounds great. Right? Well, the plan is, is that you're a dirty, rotten sinner and there's nothing good in you, and that you're going to be separated from God for all eternity, and you need to repent. That's why they were killing them, right? So that's why when you share the gospel with somebody, why they're not happy with you sometimes, right? But we can only share what we've been sent. And what we've been sent is the gospel message that includes sin and repentance. Now, don't hear me. Don't go and be that crazy person who's like mad all the time about stuff, 
right? We've all seen the Westboro Baptist Church, how they go and they pick it and they have their signs. If you haven't, just Google it and then hit images and then be ready to be offended. Because they say stuff that's, a, it's nasty. It's just, it's not right, right? So go with love. We, we share this stuff because we love people. When an ambassador goes and serves from a certain country and serves overseas, do they get to say whatever they want? No. Who do they serve? Whose pleasure do they serve? At the president's pleasure, right? They're at our government's pleasure. That's why when we change presidents, oftentimes they change ambassadors, right? Because there's a certain message that's different from one president to the other, and they want to make sure that they convey that message. You speak for this man. And what happens when they speak for someone else or themselves? They get yanked, right? There's someone else. Hey, you serve at my pleasure. I'll do what I want, right? Friends, John the Baptist was sent. And he's sent, he's commissioned in such a way that he goes with the message from God. Do you know how it's real? Is because the message he preached wasn't popular, right? Could you imagine? And they say, well, it, we just don't know if it's right. Well, if, it, if there was all this revision and stuff, don't you think they'd change that message that John was preaching? He's out there in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. And you'd have thought he'd have been out there like saying, hey, y'all just come out here and have some cookies and Kool-Aid. It's hot. Y'all get some free water, right? And we wrap the... We wrap the synagogue label around it, and we're going to give you some water. No. He's preaching a baptism of repentance. He's preaching what the Bible said, what God said he's supposed to do, preparing the way for the Messiah. Now check this out. Verse 6, compare that with John chapter 3 and verse 1, and you'll see that on the overhead. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. Earlier we see there's a man sent, and now we see there's a a man of the Pharisees. We see the difference between this, uh, the the way this this word is presented. There's a man of the Pharisees, and you're saying, okay, that's who he is. The authority comes in who he's sent by, right? How much authority do the Pharisees have? Only what the Jewish people allowed them to have, really. Do you know they had over 600 laws that they had to go by, oral, right, that weren't written down, that they wrote down later, that they said, okay, this has been long enough of a tradition that we're going to go ahead and write that stuff down. Where did that come from? It, It came from them extrapolating scripture. That's why it's so dangerous that when we crack open a commentary, when we're studying our Bible, and we crack open a commentary, and then we go by what that commentary says. Do you know whose word that is in that commentary? That guy's, right? And you know what? He might be a little off. He he might be wrong on one or two areas. Grab four or five commentaries, but settle on the word of God. He was sent. He wasn't strictly a man of the Pharisees or a man of this. He was a man sent by God. Brother and sister in Christ, you too are sent by God. Look with me at John chapter 20 and verse 21. John chapter 20 and verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, 
peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. You have this responsibility. Who gets a pass? Well, if you're lost, you can raise your hand, right? Because you're not a child of God. I'm going to send you who's born again. I send you. Friends, we have this responsibility to go, to preach the good news of the gospel. Some of us do it differently than others, and that's okay. Some of us are more bold than others. That's okay. We still have a responsibility to preach the gospel. He came as a witness. John chapter 1 and verse 7. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. What we're looking at right here is legal terminology. It's more specifically, literally, it's written for witness to bear witness, is what it literally says. For witness to bear witness. He was coming to testify. Much like the guilty, when they're in court, we always we, we read those crime stories, and uh, you know, there's a mob boss on trial. And the one person who can really bring them down is coming up. What does the mob boss and his family try to do to that witness? I try to, I think Roy said it, snuff them out, right? That's the terminology you find in the book. You go and snuff them out. They try to get them before they can come, right? He, he had came to testify because he had a witness. He was a witness. He had a testimony. Now check out John's testimony. Luke chapter 3 and verse 19. Luke chapter 3 and verse 19. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him, by John the Baptist, concerning Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done. Now Herod was sleeping with his brother's wife, and John said, hey, you, that's not good. <laughs> right? You're, you're the leader here, and you're committing adultery. Everybody knows it. No one cares, and I'm going to call you out on that. Well, guess what? You think Herod liked that? No. Right? So he took him and stuck him in jail. Right? And that's what happens to prophets. Man, I wish I had that where I could do all that. Really? Right? We want to be an Old Testament prophet. You know what they got? Death. Right? An Old Testament prophet. Death. John served as a witness for things to come. John knew what was going to happen. He knew the message that he had wasn't popular. And what did he testify? Specifically, that Messiah was coming. He testified that people needed to repent of their sins. The only way that we can come to Christ is through repentance. Faith in Christ and repentance. Whenever you're sharing with somebody, ask them. They'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Ask them, how did you come to Christ? See if they included sin and repentance. If they did not, there is a really good chance they're not born again. There's a really good chance. Go ahead and witness to that person. Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 35. Jesus describes to us what's going to happen whenever we're sharing the gospel. Matthew 10, 35. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her Mother-in-law, if you're looking for like a happy good time in your family when you're sharing the gospel, <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? If you're sharing the, the, the biblical gospel, 
There's folks in your family that's going to be upset with you. And friends, that's okay. But again, don't do it nasty. Right? Don't get ugly. He bore witness. Verse 7, John chapter 1, verse 7. He bore witness. He came for a witness to bear witness to the light that all through him may believe. We were talking about this courtroom a while ago and this witness showing up. Sometimes just the witness being there is so powerful that everybody knows, wow, he showed up, this person must be guilty, right? And then that person opens their mouth and you go, oh yeah, right? That's terrible. John, by showing up in the wilderness, by separating himself from the religious, by putting on the clothes of a prophet and acting as a prophet, just by doing that tells us something strong. It tells us that he has a message to share that is different from what we're hearing. And then John opens his mouth. John bore witness. He came proclaiming a baptism for repentance. Not a baptism, hey, y'all are okay, just keep doing what you're doing. Right? It's like saying, hey, there's somebody in the street, should we go warn them? There's a car coming? Yes! Right? Move! Right? Are we going to be like all, hey, can you please get out the way? Be all like that? No. Share with them. Love on them. Lovingly grab them. Move them out of the way. Share the good news of the gospel. Next, so people would what? Believe. So that they would believe. Not that so people would feel bad about themselves. Not that so people would desire to come to your church or hear your music or hear your pastor. But that so people would believe. Verse 7, that all through him might believe. John's message isn't a gotcha message. He didn't come to say, I told you so. He came that all through Christ might believe. He's setting them up for repentance. Y'all need to repent of your sins. So that when, when, when Jesus comes, they can go, oh, he's the one. He's the one who we need to repent. Verse 19 through 28, John's clear testimony. Number one, you'll see his clear confession. This is verses 19 through 21. Verse 19 through 21. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, No. He had a very clear message. He was clear up front. They asked him, Who are you? Notice how he answers this Who are you? If somebody asks you, who are you, how would you normally answer? You would expect him to say, I'm John. I'm John. Last name, the Baptist. Got a couple laughs out of that. <laughs> John knew what, he was, what they were saying. Who are you? Right? Do you all know when someone asks you a question, but you know they're not asking that question, they're asking another question? And he just kind of skips, he jumps to the chase. You're asking me, am I the Christ? I'm not the Christ. I know what you're looking for, and I'm not he. Were you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you this? Are you that or the other? Nope. I'm none of that. Right? Very clear in his confession. When we're sharing the good news of the gospel, friends, we need to be very clear. Right? Get there. Well, we just need to build a relationship with someone. How long does that take? Right? Are we looking for five minutes? Are we looking for a, a week? Do we need a month? Some of y'all can make friends in like 
30 seconds. Right? Some of y'all, it takes about 10 years. It just does. Well, Toby, you're talking about yourself, right? Building that relationship is, is important. But how about building a relationship in about 30 seconds? Right? You can do that any, anywhere around here when someone's wearing a UK shirt. Hey, did you see the game the other night? They were dropping three-pointers like it was their job. Right? Hey, do you have a church home? Just go right into it, right? No, I don't go to church. Hey, can I share with you something that's just on my heart today? Right? They'll listen to you. Very clear about it. That needs to be our agenda. Rather than all these side things and then we're just going to get there. How often do we get a second chance with folks? You think about it. Whenever you meet somebody, how often are you going to see them again? In Hopkins County alone, there's 48,000 people. When I go places, y'all are not going to believe this, but they have no idea that I'm your pastor. They don't know who I am. Praise the Lord. Right? So that means I can feel free to say, hey, let me just say this. And the odds of me ever seeing them again are pretty low, so that's on the good side. And the bad side is, if I'm not clear with my confession of who Christ is, I may have hurt my witness, right? I may have hurt them thinking they might think, oh, I'm, I'm good. Right? Very clear confession. His clarification, verses 22 through 23. They said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah did. They still didn't get it, did they? Right? He's pretty clear right here. Clears it on up. He clarifies it. You mean to tell me from what you just read that if I just go to church and be baptized that I'll be good? No. That's not what I said at all. All right, let's, let's go ahead and start over. All right, let's start over with that you are a dirty, rotten sinner. All right, just go ahead and shock them. And then they'll go, whoa, wait, what? Okay, you got that part. All right, and then move on. Don't say it like that. Okay, I can see Dave. He's writing over there going, okay, check. Dirty, rotten sinner, check. Right, just kidding, Dave. Dave. Dave would never do that. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight of the way of the Lord. My job is to get people ready for Jesus. Repent. He didn't baptize them and say, okay, you're good. Right? Y'all are automatically in. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. A baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Whenever we're sharing the gospel, we have to be absolutely clear with people. And then sometimes they still won't get it. Do you know what that's an indication of? Usually two things. Number one, you didn't do a good job the first time. Number two, you did a good job but the Spirit's not leading. And that's okay, as long as we're clear with the gospel message. And sometimes it is my fault. Sometimes I say stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know what I just said. Do y'all do that? Anybody else? You, do, you say something? Sometimes I preach on Sunday morning, and I go home, and I was telling Corey and Michael this the other day. I, some, I just want to go and crawl in the bed and pull the covers over and go, I have no idea what I said or what just happened. 
right? I obviously was not clear today because I know it, right? By God's grace, I get to preach again next week, and I can try again, right? But friends, let's be clear with the gospel. John preaches repentance, verses 24 through 28. Now those who were sent from the Pharisees, those who were sent from the Pharisees, they thought they were good, right? Because why? We're, we're religious folks. And when you run across folks who go to church, that's what they'll say. They'll say, well, I go to church. I'm pretty good. That, again, is another indicator for a non-Christian. A born-again Christian will say, I'm not any good. The only goodness that I have is in Christ. I have no goodness in me. Right? That's a real indicator. You'll say, okay, this person gets it. Ask somebody, are you a good person? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Liar. You're rotten. You're terrible. Don't tell them that. Right? But no, you're, you're absolutely just sin-stricken. And it's okay to be clear about that. Again, don't do it like that. Okay? Love on people. Take them to the commandments. Show them what Jesus says. We need to get people to understand what sin and repentance is. John was preaching repentance. Do you know why some of these mega churches are filling up so, so big and so fast? They don't, preach, they don't preach it. They're preaching what? What are they preaching? Anybody? I didn't hear it. What? A feel-good religion, right? He wants your best life now, right? God just wants to give you stuff like he's a sugar daddy. Right? Christy's shaking her head like I maybe shouldn't have used those words together. That's how we treat them, right? Listen to the prayer, listen to folks' prayers and listen to your prayers. Check them. Okay? When we sit down and we pray, what does it sound like? It sounds like a list of Santa Claus, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Because we're asking stuff. We're just like going down the list. We want to take care of this, we want this, we want this, and we want this. Amen. I've done what I've done for the day, right? And God's pleased with that. And he's like, are you kidding me? You just asked me for a bunch of stuff. How do y'all feel when your kids just ask you for stuff and then Maya comes home and she's like, oh, Dad, I need $100. You need to fill up the tank of gas and I need Mom to wash my clothes. Whoop, see you later. Going out with the friends. What, are you kidding me? You're a grown person. You take care of that. Right? I ain't getting treated like that at my house. Same thing at your house. And I wonder how a righteous Holy God feels when we come to him and treat him like that. We need to preach repentance. He's preaching a baptism for repentance. That for us, when we preach that, when we preach that repentance, it should lead to conversion, shouldn't it? Ask somebody, what do you think about that? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Would you like to say to God that, I'm sorry, I've, I've sinned against you? Lead them in that. Don't do it for them. And then show them that baptism does not automatically make them go to God. Baptism, physical baptism like we do here, it shows that we are submitting ourselves to the Lord. He's commanded us to do this. Friends, there is something wrong when someone comes to Christ and they refuse baptism. I'm so bold as to say, I would say that that person truly did not receive Christ. 
if they can't say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus in baptism. And the burden is on them to say, you're wrong, and here's how I'm right, right? Because I have this on my side. The burden's on them. Number two, physical baptism shows they're ready to follow him rather than their own desires. It's just saying, I'm giving up. I'm giving up on me. I want to follow him. Number three, physical baptism shows that we're submitting ourselves to the body of Christ. This isn't Burger King, right? We're not going to come and get things our own way. When we belong to a church, we are submitting to that church. And here we do it. You're converted. You come to Christ. You're baptized. You join the church. and You're saying, this is my church body. I'm submitting to this body. And number four, when we're baptized, when we're converted and baptized, we're saying not only that we're showing our family what the, what the gospel is by being baptized, but we're saying I am ready to preach the gospel to my friends and neighbors. Friends, if you're here today and you've been baptized, you are a born-again Christian, it is your responsibility to be clear with the gospel message. And guys, what better time to do it than now? Folks want to talk about Christmas. They want to talk about the birth of the Savior. Ask them. Ask them what Jesus means to them. Ask them what church is. Ask them what the gospel is. And then use that as a springboard to share the good news with them. If you're here today and you're not born again, you realize that after we read maybe Isaiah 61, that you said, man, I'm doing things that God hates. I'm just doing my, my deal, and I'm trying to please my own conscience. He hates that. He hates it, friends. Let me encourage you to come to Christ today. Repent of your sin and follow him. Submit to him, be baptized, and be a follower of Jesus. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your word today. We pray that we can take care of those who are hurting in our congregation. Father, we lift up Michael and his family today. Father, I pray that as, um, as they minister to Larry, that, uh, that they can love on one another and maybe share the good news with those who, who are of their family who don't know you. Father, we pray for those in our congregation who are here today who are, who are born again for, for us to uh, realize the sense of urgency for the gospel that people are dying and when they die they're going to face a righteous and holy God who's going to judge them according to his standard, not ours. And then they'll, they'll be separated from him for all eternity. Help us to let folks know so they can turn to Christ and live. Father, we pray for anyone here today and in the, uh, who is earshot of, of my words, that they might repent of their sin and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.